بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We've reached the fourth and the last lesson from our prophetic morning and evening adhkar um, cause walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen um, in our first lesson we of course discussed the fiqh of the morning and evening adhkar uh, the virtue and the benefits of it when it should be done and how it should be done then in lesson two and three uh, we, we started and we went through the list of these morning and evening adhkar and tonight bi'ithnillah we will complete the list insha'Allah ta'ala um, looking at the text of the ahadith explaining the wording and doing a brief commentary on the ahadith so that we have a good understanding of what we are saying with, with regards to these adhkar and when and how to say each dhikr bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. So our first, our first dhikr or supplication for tonight is part of the morning and evening adhkar which is narrated by Abdul Rahman ibn Abi Bakrah radiallahu anhu that he said to his father, oh my father, I hear you recite this du'a every morning and every evening. I hear you recite this du'a every morning and every evening. Allahumma aafini fi badani, Allahumma aafini fi sam'i, Allahumma aafini fi basari, la ilaha illa ant. And you repeat it three times in the evening and three times in the morning. So this teaches us one of these adhkar and that it should be done three times in the morning and three times in the, in the evening. Tayyip. Three times every morning we should say this, this dua and three times every, every evening as well. And then Abdurrahman he added and he said, And I hear you saying, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufr wal-faqr wa a'udhu bika min a'adhaab al-qabr la ilaha illa ant. And you repeat this three times in the evening and three times in the morning. So this is another separate dua that comes from the same hadith. That should also be repeated three times every morning and every evening. So we firstly repeat Allahumma aafini fi badani, this version, three times. And then we recite Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufr, this part of the dua, three times. In the morning and in the evening as well. Tayyib. So he said to his father, this is what I hear you saying. And then the father replied with beautiful words that teaches us that this is not just the father's doing. Rather, he said, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam supplicating with these words and I love to follow his sunnah. Subhanallah. So, number one, the, these are the words of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This sahabi is telling us, I heard this from him. That the Prophet used to say this morning three times, evening three times. And I love to follow his sunnah. And this should be the way of every believer. This is the one who loves the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The one who loves him is the one who follows him. That the moment we learn a sunnah from his sunnah, we, we immediately try our best to implement it. Because we love him and we love to follow his sunnah. This is the true believer. So we see this from the Sahabi radiallahu anhu. And this is why he implemented it purely because he heard the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reciting these adhkar three times every morning and three times every evening. Walhamdulillahi. Rabbil Alameen. Tayyib. So we look at the first part or the first part of the supplication, which is Allahumma'afini fi badani, Allahumma'afini fi sam'i, 
Allahumma afini fi basari la ilaha illa ant. That is the way that it should be recited, insha'Allah. What does this dua mean? What is this dua? We recite this dua every morning and every evening three times. And wallahi, it's a very beautiful dua and a very important dua. Because it's a dua for afiyah again and a dua for good health, for well-being. So here, yeah, Allahumma afini fi badani. Oh Allah, I ask you or grant me or make me healthy in my body. Badan is your, your body. So I'm asking you for, for afia or for, for well-being, for good health in my body. And this is general. This includes your entire body from head to toe. You are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant you good health, to grant you strength in your entire body from head to toe, no matter what you may be suffering from and no matter what may happen to you. Yani something could come your way and we know dua is one of the ways that that deflects decree that Allah can change the decree due to a person's dua so we are asking Allah for good health every morning we make this dua that throughout this day Allah grants you good health every evening you make this dua that throughout the evening throughout the night Allah grants you good health oh Allah grant me good health in my body in my entire body Allahumma afini fi sam'i and then the next part is, Oh Allah, preserve for me, for me my hearing. Sam'i, my hearing. And these are of the important faculties because the next part is, Allahumma afini fi basari. Oh Allah, preserve for me my, my sight, my vision. Your hearing and your sight. Specifically mentioned in this hadith, we, we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for good hearing and good sight. Preserve my hearing for me, preserve my sight for me. And often you find, as people age, these faculties, they start to weaken. And people start, their sight becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. Glasses are needed and different, the prescription of the glasses goes up and up and up. And some people, even the hearing, as they get older, it slowly but surely weakens. So this is a, is a way, that through this dua on a daily basis, that Allah preserves our hearing and our sight. So that inshallah, as we get old, we get old in a good way and in a healthy way in our entire body, and our hearing and our sight stay sharp. This is a, a very important dua that we want to, we should learn, and we should teach our children. You know, because it's, 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 these are important faculties that we use on a daily basis, that many a times we overlook the importance of them. This dua is teaching us every day, every night, to, to be making and to, to be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to preserve these important faculties. La ilaha illa ant. We end off by saying, there is none truly worthy of worship but you. Acknowledging that we only turn to Allah and He's the only one worthy of worship and He's the only one who can preserve our bodies and preserve our sight and preserve our hearing. So we're turning to you, O Allah, asking you alone, Ya Allah, to preserve us. This is the first part of the dhikr. The second part of the dhikr is then, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufr. O Allah, I seek refuge in you from kufr. From disbelief. And of course, what can be worse than disbelief? What can be worse in this dunya as we are alive? Is there anything worse than kufr? There's nothing worse than kufr. No matter what sin we do, as long as we are still Muslimin, we haven't fallen into shirk. Shirk is kufr. Right? Shirk is a type of kufr. Shirk is a type of kufr. Kufr is more general than shirk. So as long as we're not falling into shirk and different um, forms of kufr, then we at least are Muslimin. Alhamdulillah, that's the most important thing. 
So we have our sins that we will fall into. But as long as, long as we don't fall into kufr and shirk, then as long as we are Muslimin, we will enter paradise bi ta'ala. But the kafir, the mushrik, he will never enter Jannah. He will never enter Jannah. So nothing is worse than kufr. Hence we ask Allah morning and evening to protect us against this belief. That he keeps us Muslimin. That we die as Muslimin, we live as Muslimin. Wal-faqr and poverty. That he protects us against poverty. Poverty, faqr is when you lose your wealth. A person who is, who is suffering and, and has his, his, his gains or what he earns does not cover what he needs. And faqr is also a type of bankruptcy when a person has absolutely nothing. He, he has not even the bare minimum. And again, in this dunya, nobody wants to suffer from faqr, from poverty. Where he, he cannot make ends meet. He cannot survive the day. He doesn't have a roof over his head. He doesn't have enough to survive. Wallahu musta'an. So this is faqr. This is a state of, of dire need of poverty that no person wants to fall into. And only Allah Azza wa can protect us from this. No matter what degree a person may have, no matter what job he may have, no matter what income he may have, Allah is ultimately in control of our wealth and our sustenance. So we turn to him and we ask him to protect us against faqr, against poverty that he provides for us and he sustains us on a daily basis with, with more than enough, insha'Allah. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ مِنْ عَذَابِ الْقَبْرِ And then we seek refuge in him again from another major fitna, which is the fitna of the qabr, the test of the qabr, and specifically yeah, the punishment of the qabr, that he protects us against the, the punishment of the grave. So we're seeking refuge in worldly things. Number one is disbelief. Number two is poverty. And number three would be something in the year after, which is part of the year after, which is the first step towards the year after which is the grave. And we know that we as Ahlul Sunnah wa Jama'ah, we believe in the punishment of the grave. This is established in many ahadith and in certain ayat of the Quran as well. We are asking Allah to protect us against the punishment of the grave. Because that is of the most severe of punishments. And also a person who is protected from the punishment of the grave, bi'idhnillah, he will be protected from the punishment of the year after in the in Qiyamah and uh, the fire of Jahannam as well. So we are asking Allah subhanahu wa to protect us against that torment, that, that, that suffering that people will go through in the grave, that we do not want to be of those. When we are buried, we want to be in a state of bliss. There will be two categories of people. The one, the righteous person, he will, his deeds will be there with him as a companion. It will console him and he will see his place in paradise, the lengthy hadith, as his ruh goes up and so forth. And when he comes back to his grave, his ruh, he will say, Ya Rabbi, aqim sa'a. Ya Rabbi, aqim sa'a. Oh my Lord, bring the hour close. Bring the hour, meaning qiyamah, bring it close. Because he knows if the state of the grave is so blissful, imagine the delights of the year after. It will be even greater. But on the flip side, the evil, wretched soul, he will come in and, and he will be, there will be no consolement for him. His deeds will be there in, 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 a, in the form of an evil-looking person, which will cause him to be f uh, fearful. And when he sees his place in the Jahannam and his ruh returns back to the Qabr, he will say, Ya Rabbi, oh my Lord, don't bring the hour close. Don't bring the, let the hour never be established. Because he does not want to see what's, what's waiting for him in the year after. And then he will still experience various punishments in the grave. Wallahu al-musta'an. So no person wants to experience this.
No person wants to experience this. Hence, we ask Allah on a daily basis, three times every morning, three times every evening, to protect us against this punishment of the grave. La ilaha illa ant. There is none worthy of worship except you. Again affirming, the only one who can protect us from kufr, from faqr, from the punishment of the grave is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask him to protect us from all of these things because he's the only one who can, uh, who can save us. So this is a very important dua that we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for every morning, every evening. No believer should miss out on them bi-idhnillahi ta'ala. Our next dhikr is narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said on the day of Qiyamah, no one will bring anything better than someone who says in the morning and evening, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi 100 times, except someone who says the same as he says or more. So the hadith tells us that on the day of Qiyamah, nobody is going to bring anything better than the one who said Subhanallah wa bihamdihi 100 times every morning and every evening, except someone who said the same thing, or he said something more. Yani he made more adhkar than just this. Which means that to come with this on the day of Qiyamah in your books of deeds, in your book of deeds, will be something great. And you will be far better than most people. Because nobody's going to beat you except those who did more than you, or those who did the same. But you will be of the elite on the day of Qiyamah if you can fulfill these type of adhkar. Another hadith mentions this dhikr, and the Prophet wasallam said, whoever says subhanallah wa bihamdi 100 times a day, he will be forgiven all of his sins, even if they were as much as the foam of the sea. So the first hadith told us 100 times in the morning and the evening, your benefit will be on qiyamah. This hadith tells us 100 times a day, which means if you said it 100 in the morning or 100 in the evening, you would have fulfilled this hadith as well, which means your sins are forgiven, even if they are as much as the foam of the sea. Subhanallah. So another benefit of this dhikr is to is that our sins are forgiven as well. As well as the previous benefit, which is in the akhirah, nobody will be better than you, except the ones who came with the same or those who did more than you. And may Allah make us of those who do more, uh, amin rabbal alameen, more of, of, of righteousness, more of good deeds, more of um, prophetic deeds, amin rabbal alameen. So, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. This is the way we pronounce this dhikr. Very easy, very simple, very short. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Perfection and all praise belongs to Allah. Now, firstly, we have to understand what this word Subhanallah means. We all know this dhikr. We, we say Subhanallah so many times when we're speaking. We say Subhanallah after every salah 33 times, before we sleep 33 times, and so many times. In sujood and ruku' we say subhana rabbil a'la, subhana rabbil azim. And many other times do we always we are always using the word subhana for Allah. Subhanallah, subhana rabbana, subhana rabbi, rabbi al-azim and so forth. What does this word subhanallah mean? Usually people translate it as glory be to Allah, which is which is okay, it's good. But what does that mean? If you ask a normal person, what does that mean? What do you mean when you are saying glory be to Allah? Or glorified is Allah? And many people are unable to, to answer. So it's important that we try to understand what, what does subhanallah actually mean. This word subhana, it means to distance, it means to free something off or to distance something away uh, from something else. So 
in this case we are saying subhanallah which means we are freeing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from from what from any type of defect from any type of shortcoming from any type of weakness from any type of um anything that, that that's not that's not befitting for him this is what subhanallah means so we are freeing allah far removed is allah from imperfection weakness shortcomings defects faults and so forth right so saying subhanallah or tasbih this word tasbih means to say subhanallah it is to declare that one's heart and mind is far removed from thinking that there is any shortcoming unto allah or attributing any evil to him or declaring him to be far above any fault that is attributed to him by the mushrikeen and heretics and this is what subhanallah means it is to say it's basically to 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 to, to attribute perfection to allah this is why we use the translation perfection is to unto allah so when we say glory be to allah this is what we means he is glorified yani he is perfect he is perfect in the sense he is far removed from any defect any weakness anything that's evil anything that's bad anything that's weak anything that has defects allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is perfect in every way this is what subhanallah means this is what we say when you say mik tasbih this is what it means when we say subhanallah and often allah uses it in the quran to free himself from what the mushrikeen have said from what the kuffar are saying what they've attributed unto him and so forth an example of this in surah mu'minun allah says mattakhadallahu mi waladi wa ma kana ma'ahu min ilahin idhan la dhahaba kullu ilahin bima khalaqa wa la'ala ba'dhum ala ba'd subhanallah amma yasifun allah has never had any offspring nor is there any god besides him otherwise each god would have taken away what he created and they would have tried to dominate one another allah is using a logical reasoning here as well but then he says subhanallah glorified is allah above what they claim he's he's nullifying what the mushrikeen are trying to say with there are other gods along with him and so forth subhanallah allah is glorified above that he's too perfect for that he's far removed from that that they can be partners along with him or that he can have a son or that he's you know has kinship towards the jinn and so all the type of things that they claimed when a'udhu billah allah says subhanallah glorified is he's far removed from that He's far too perfect for that. This is what subhanallah means. So when we say subhanallah, 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 this is what we should be understanding. That perfection belongs to Allah. He's far removed from imperfection. He's far removed from weakness and so forth. Wabihamdihi. So first part is subhanallah. Perfection is unto Allah. Far removed is he from any weakness and so forth. Wabihamdihi. We know that the word hamd means to praise. It's, it means praise. Like we say, Alhamdulillah, all praise is for Allah. Wabihamdihi. But how, what is the meaning here when we group it with Subhanallah? There is the discussion here between the scholars. Some of the ulama said that this wow, wabihamdihi, indicates simultaneous action. And some said it refers to consecutive actions. So which means there are two possible in- interpretations for Subhanallah, wabihamdihi. The first interpretation is simultaneous, which means Subhanallah, perfection belongs to Allah, or I glorify Allah, whilst I am praising Him. Whilst I am praising Him. At the same time, while I am praising Him, I am glorifying Him. And the second interpretation is that the wow refers to consecutive actions, which means I glorify Allah and I praise Him. They both mean something similar, but just 
in terms of the technicalities, this is what the scholars have mentioned, like Al-Hafidh ibn Hajar and others, Rahimahumullah. So, what we are saying is, Subhanallah wa bihamdihi, we are saying perfection belongs to Allah, whilst I praise Him, or perfection belongs to Allah, uh, and I praise Allah. Both of them, uh, they do not contradict each other in reality, they are very similar, uh, whether you are praising Him, whether you are glorifying his praises or glorifying him whilst you are praising him or you are doing it at, uh, and you are praising him uh, uh, along with glorifying him, this doesn't really change anything and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So we should say this dhikr 100 times, affirming every time that we the perfection of Allah and that all praise belongs to him and that we are praising him and so forth and Allah azza wa jal knows best. Our next dhikr the hadith comes from Agar al-Muzani radiallahu an. He said that Ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Ayyuhal nas, O people, tubu ila Allah. Repent to Allah, all of you. Tubu ila Allah. For I repent to Allah 100 times a day. For I repent to Allah 100 times a day. So our dhikr here is to say Astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh 100 times a day. For this is what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam instructed us with. Now notice here, he did not say morning and evening, he said a day. A day, he said 100 times a day. Which means this is not restricted to the morning specifically or to the evening specifically. As long as you say 100 times every single day throughout the day, and obviously the best is to say it, the earliest in the morning, to make it part of your morning, that is beneficial, because then you've done it for the day, alhamdulillah. Whereas if you procrastinate, you may not do it. But we have the entire day to make this dhikr. 10 times now, 20 times later, and so forth, if you can. However you do it, try your best to say this 100 times a day. Astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh. I seek Allah's forgiveness, and I repent to Him. And I repent unto Him. And this is of course of utmost importance. Number one, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallama, he instructed us with this. The, the hadith previously says, repent to Allah. It's instruction. Number two, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whose previous sins and future sins were forgiven. He was sinless basically. Some, there are some scholars say there were some slip-ups here and there. Even if he According to that view, even if we would go with that view and say that he slipped up here and there, we know that his sins are forgiven. And other scholars say, no, he's sinless. So either way, he is sinless because even if he did commit small sins, his sins are forgiven. Yet he says, Astaghfirullah wa atubu ilayh 100 times a day. If the one who has his, his slate is wiped clean, the one who has no sin on his back, says 100 times a day, where should we be as sinners, as weak slaves of Allah, subhanallah. Surely we should be saying it 100 and much more times than that, wallahu musta'an. So we try and say it 100 times, if you can say it more in the evening and more throughout the day even, that's only better for you. That's only better for, for all of us, wallahu musta'an. We are all sinners, we all have our sins. The, the, the way to wipe the sin is to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask his, for his forgiveness and to repent unto him. So we should do this at least a hundred times a day according to that sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The next dhikr is narrated by Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu who said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said 
No slave seeks protection from the fire seven times in a day, except that the fire says, O oh my Lord, indeed your slave sought protection in you against me, so protect him. And no slave asks Allah for paradise seven times in a day, except that paradise says, O oh my Lord, indeed your slave asked for me, so enter him, enter him into Jannah, enter him into, into paradise. Again, Take note, the hadith doesn't say morning and evening, it says a day, which means this can be done any time throughout the day. It's not restricted to the morning and the evening, but again, as we said previously, the best is to say it as early as possible. Because then you've fulfilled it, you fulfilled the sunnah that you said it for the day, and by procrastinating, you may not fulfill it. Um, that is the takhrij of the hadith, it's authenticated by Albani rahimahullah in Silsilatu Sahihah and he said it's according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim in terms of authenticity. The same was stated by Al-Mundri and as well as Ibn Al-Qayyim, may Allah have mercy on them all. So another point to make mention here of is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa in this hadith just said whoever asks Allah for paradise seven times a day, paradise responds by saying, Oh Allah, your slave asked for me, so enter him into paradise. Whoever asks Allah to protect for, for protection against the fire, the fire responds and says, You know, Oh Allah, your slave sought protection against me, so protect him from the fire. No specific wording was given as to how to ask Allah for paradise and how to ask Allah who ask Allah for protection against the fire so which means this can be done in any way in any form you can there are many ways that you can say oh Allah grant me Jannah and oh Allah protect me from the fire it should be done seven times that's the most important thing every day at least seven times morning or evening or any time during the day the wording I've chosen actually comes in another hadith where the Prophet used the specific wording asking for paradise and seeking protection from the fire so that's the specific wording I've given. However, any wording can be used to fulfill this hadith. Any wording can be used to fulfill this hadith. So the wording we've mentioned is Allahumma inni as'aluka al-jannah wa astajiruka wa astajiru bika minan nar. Allahumma inni as'aluka al-jannah wa astajiru bika minan nar. So we say this seven times and we saw the reward or the benefit that is mentioned. Jannah itself will say, Ya Rabb, enter him to, into paradise. And the fire itself will say, Ya Rabb, protect him from the fire. And is there anything that's greater than this? That is the ultimate reward. Any person who attains Jannah has, atta has, has attained the ultimate success. And if he is protected from the fire, he's attained the ultimate success. There is no success better than that. So we should not be neglectful of this. We ask Allah every day, Allahumma inni as'aluka jannah, oh Allah, I ask you for jannah, wa astajiru bika minan nar, and I seek refuge in you, or I seek protection in you from the fire. We say this seven times a day, seven times a day, and insha'Allah, we, we will, through our amal on this hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect us from the fire and enter us into the highest ranks of jannah. Amin rabbil alameen. The next dhikr is narrated by Juwayriyah bint al-Harith, the mother of the believers, Ummul Mu'mineen. She's one of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, Juwayriyah. May Allah have mercy upon her and be pleased with her. She narrates this hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam came out from my apartment in the morning as I was busy performing the dawn prayer. He came back in the forenoon and found me sitting there. 
So as she's making salah, she's praying, the Prophet left the house to go and work and to go fulfill whatever duties he had to fulfill and so forth. And he comes back, and he comes back uh, just before noon, he's out for some hours, and he finds her seated on the exact same spot on her place of, of, of salah and, and her musalla basically at the place of worship. So the Prophet sallallahu said to her, are you still in the same position as I left you? And Juwaidiya applied in the affirmative meaning, yes, she's been there the entire time. And this is as a benefit here for the women folk. Take note of the mother of the believers. The men should of course for Fajr be in the Masajid and the women pray at home. This is the best way that it, that, 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 that it should be done. But also they should stay in their, sp- in their space of worship for as long as they can and worship Allah. Read Quran, make your daily adhkar, your morning adhkar and so forth. Turn to your Rabb. Try to spend that morning blessed time on the musalla. This is what the woman should try. If there are some house duties to fulfill in the morning, let them fulfill and let them go back to the musalla and try to spend time in the morning on the musalla worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is something that we find that Juwayriyah radiallahu anha was doing. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he then said to her, I recited four words, yani four statements, four sentences, three times after I had left you. So this dhikr which is coming up here, it's proven that it should be done three times. If these are to be weighed against all you have recited since morning, these will be heavier. So what does this mean? That this dhikr, if it's recited three times, in the morning specifically, and again make note here, take note here, no mention of the evening is, 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 is made in this hadith. And so this is why we say that this hadith is restricted to the morning adhkar only, and not the evening. Okay? All of the adhkar that we've done so far, over the last two to three lessons, have been morning and evening, all of them. This hadith over here only mentions the morning. So this dhikr we say should only be done in the morning and not in the evening. Because we are trying to stick to the hadith as best as we can. Okay, as strictly as we can. So this hadith is for the morning only. What is the dhikr? He said if you say these four statements, they are better than that entire morning's period of worship. So which means this just by saying this three times, it's better than sitting the whole morning and worshipping Allah and doing other things. That this is how powerful this dhikr is in terms of the weight that it will have on your scale and in terms of the reward that it carries. So this dhikr is extremely powerful and it's worth hours of worship, basically. Subhanallah wa bihamdi, adada khalqi wa ridha nafsi wa zinata arshi wa midada kalimati. Hadith is Zahih Muslim. So if you say these four statements, these four kalimat or these four words, they will outweigh that entire morning's worship. This is how powerful this dhikr is. So how do we read it? Subhanallah wa bihamdih, adada khalqih, wa ridha nafsih, wa zinata arshih, wa midada kalimatih. Or you can say, Subhanallah wa bihamdih, adada khalqih, وَرِضَى نَفْسِهِ وَزِنَةَ عَرْشِهِ وَمِدَادَ كَلِمَاتِهِ Either way would be correct and Allah knows best. 
What does this dhikr mean? This powerful dhikr. Number one, Subhanallah wa bihamdi. We just explained this dhikr previously. Subhanallah means perfection belongs to Allah. Far removed is Allah from any weakness, imperfection, shortcomings, defects, faults, evil, and so forth. Far removed is Allah from whatever evil and, and, and bad is attributed to him by the mushrikeen and the kuffar and so forth. Far removed is he, he is completely perfect. He is only perfect and he is not even, uh, he is far removed from any weakness. That's what subhanallah means. Perfection belongs to him and far removed is he from all um, weakness. Wabihamdihi and I praise him and I praise him. Subhanallah, perfection belongs to him as we praise him and as we, or as we praise him. Subhanallah means, subhanallah, perfection belongs to Allah, wabihamdihi, and all praise belongs to Allah. Right? Adada khalqih. Adada khalqih. As many times as the number of his creatures. Now, if you look at this hadith, you will notice that we are declaring and stating that perfection and all praise belongs to Allah. As many times as the number of his creatures or his creation in accordance with his good pleasure equal to the weight of his throne and equal to the ink used in recording his, his words. So does this mean that when we are saying this dhikr, we are only saying it three times every day, three times in the morning every day. Are we actually praising Allah as many times as this? As many times as the number of his, cre his, his creatures, uh, of, of his creation? Of course not. Allah has created billions and trillions and things beyond what we can count. So how can we praise Him that much? This actually means in accordance to what Allah is deserved of. Right? We're talking about what Allah deserves. So perfection belongs to Him and all praise belongs to Him as many times as the number of His creatures. Yani that's at least how much He deserves to be praised. That's at least how much He deserves to be praised. We are not necessarily praising him that much according to the number of his creation, no. Rather, we are declaring that this is how much he deserves to be praised. By the number of his creation, Allah has created so many, beyond what we can even comprehend. Think of everything in this world alone. Whatever is below the ground, whatever is above the ground, whatever is underwater, underneath the ocean bed, all of the different creatures, in the heavens, the different creatures. In Jannah itself is creation. Inside of Jannah, how much creation is there? In Jahannam, Jahannam is creation. Inside Jahannam is creation. All of the jinns, all of the angels, all of the insan, plants, animals, insects, birds, fish, you name it. Then this is just our world we can think of. There are other planets, the universe. All of this is Allah's creation. We all we are saying we can never praise Him that much by the amount that He has created. It's impossible for us. Rather, we are declaring this is what He's deserved of. That this is what He's at least deserved of. That He's all praise belongs to Him by the amount of create, 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 uh, creation that He has. This is what He's deserved of. nafsi, and in accordance. With his good pleasure, with his rida, with the, with the pleasure of Allah. Now, what does this mean? So we understand the creation is, is infinite. 
That's how much he deserves to be praised and more than that. And likewise, he deserves to be praised in accordance with his, his rida, with his pleasure. Allah's pleasure is one of his sifat. Allah gets pleased. At times, certain things please him and certain things anger him. Allah has the attribute of pleasure and he has the attribute of anger. But all of his attributes are attributes of perfection. They are complete and they are perfect. Every single one of his attributes, they are attributes of perfection. Sifatul Kamal. They have no shortcomings, no weakness. They have no end. They have no limit. This is one of Allah's attributes. So he deserves to be praised in accordance with his good pleasure, with the greatness of his sifa, of his sifa of pleasure. Yani to no end. There's no end to his, his, his attribute. There's no end to him. This is one of his attributes, one of his descriptions. It has no end. It's all perfect. This is how Allah deserves to be praised. To no end. In, in, in accordance with his pleasure, in accordance with his perfection. And so forth. According to his perfect pleasure. That's how much he deserves to be, to be pleased and, and to, be, to be praised. And equal to the weight of his throne. This already tells us, just from this hadith, we learn that nothing can be heavier than the throne. Nothing can be heavier than Allah's throne. So we know Allah has a throne. He has an arsh. Right? Allah has an arsh. A throne, a mighty throne. A noble throne. A great throne. That is bigger than this entire universe. Allah's throne is above this universe and it's bigger than this entire universe. Far, far bigger and greater than this entire universe. And then Allah is above the throne. So the throne reaches the height of creation. After that there's no creation left. And above that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his own way that we do not understand. Beyond our understanding, but we know he is above his throne. We know that he is above creation. Because this is what the Quran teaches us. And what the Sunnah teaches us in so many different places. In fact, Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah said there is more than 4,000 evidences to prove that Allah is above. And this is the belief of the Prophet the Sahaba, the Tabi'een, the Atba'u Tabi'een, the four Imams of all four Madahib. The great Imams of Hadith, Bukhari, Muslim, Abu Dawud, Tirmidhi, and Nasai ibn Majah, and many others. This is the view of Ahlusun al Jama'ah. Allah is above His throne. It's not to believe Allah is everywhere, or that Allah is separate from creation. Often we believe He's separate from creation, but to believe that um, Allah is and He's not within time and space. And uh, you know, these type of arguments, uh, we believe Allah is free from His creation, separate from creation, above His throne. As the Quran says, Ar-Rahman ala arsh istawa. And in many other places. طيب, but the point here is, the weight of the throne, nothing is heavier than that. That's why the hadith mentions it in this context. Had there been anything heavier than it, that would have been mentioned instead of the throne. Also the Prophet tells us in a hadith, that the biggest creation of Allah is His throne. The biggest of His creation is His throne. Hence it is the heaviest as well. So according to that weight, this is again beyond what we can possibly imagine, how much it weighs, it's bigger than this whole universe. 
So how much can it possibly weigh? We don't have a scale that can possibly measure it. Only Allah knows its weight. But according to that weight, he deserves to be praised. He deserves to be glorified. To no end. Because he's perfect and he deserves perfect praise. وَمِدَادَ كَلِمَاتِهِ And equal to the ink used in recording his words. That ink that, will never, that never dries, that can never dry. As the Quran tells us, Allah says in the end of Surah Kahf, قُلْ لَوْ كَانَ الْبَحْرُ مِدَادًا لِكَلِمَاتِ رَبِّي لَنَفِدَ الْبَحْرُ قَبْلَ أَنْ تَنْفَدَ كَلِمَاتُ رَبِّي وَلَوْ جِئْنَا بِمِثْلِهِ مَدَدًا Say, O Prophet ﷺ, if the ocean were ink for writing the words of my Lord, it would certainly run out before the words of my Lord were finished. Even if we refold it with its equal, the words of Allah will never come to an end. It will never come to an end. So think of the ocean. If that was ink that was needed to write out the words of Allah, it would, it would run out and the words of Allah would never, ever, come to an end, nor will it ever run out. So the ink that is used is, is ink that never runs out. Is ink that never runs out. The ink that's referred to in this hadith that's used for writing Allah's words is ink that never ever runs. It's way more than the ocean and two, three, four, th- ten times what the ocean has. Beyond what we can imagine, it, it never runs out. This is how much Allah is deserved of praise according to that amount of that ink, which is endless so the hadith is basically again telling us we are stating that all perfection belongs to him that we glorify him and that he's deserved of all praise how much praise endless praise like the amount of his creation like the, the what's accordance to his, his magnificent attribute of 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 ridha, of pleasure like the weight of his throne and like the ink that is used to record his words Endless praise. That's what he's, he's perfect and he deserves endless perfect praise. We cannot praise him like that because we are too weak and we have too much deficiency and we wouldn't even have the time to praise him that much. But we are, are stating this and we believe this. And if we say this with true understanding and belief and conviction and yaqeen, then by saying it three times in the morning, it will outweigh so much hours of worship as the Prophet sallallahu taught us in this hadith of Juwayriya, which he spent that morning worshipping Allah. He said, I said three things, three words, sorry, four words, which is, subhanAllah bihamdi, adada khalqi, wa ridha nafsi, wa zinata arshi, wa midada kalimati. SubhanAllah wa bihamdi, adada khalqi, wa ridha nafsi, wa zinata arshi, wa midada kalimati. These are the four words that is used to describe this praise of Allah. I said this three times. It will outweigh whatever you did this entire morning. But it must be done with this understanding and conviction in what we are saying. This is how much he deserves to be praised. Subhanahu rabbi al-a'la wa bihamdihi. Our next dhikr is narrated by Abdul Rahman ibn Abza radiallahu anhu that the Prophet sallallahu used to say in the morning. Again, take note, he said this in the morning only. So this is not part of the evening adhkar. And it said once in the, the morning. أصبحنا على فطرة الإسلام وعلى كلمة الإخلاص وعلى دين نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى ملة أبينا إبراهيم حنيفا مسلما وما كان من المشركين طيب So the pronunciation أصبحنا على فطرة الإسلام 
وعلى كلمة الإخلاص وعلى دين نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وعلى ملة أبينا إبراهيم حنيفا مسلما وما كان من المشركين This is the pronunciation of this dhikr طيب What does this dhikr mean? Number one أصبحنا على فطرة الإسلام أصبحنا It means we've entered the morning We've, we've reached a new day We've entered a new day Of course we entered the new day Only by the will of Allah أصبحنا على فطرة الإسلام And we've reached this day Upon the natural religion of Islam The fitrah of Islam We've reached this morning Upon the fitrah of Islam We are declaring this in the morning We are stating this Reminding ourselves We've reached the morning Upon what? Upon fitrah The fitrah of Islam Which is to worship Allah alone That we need to worship our creator This is what fitrah is Fitrah is that you acknowledge your maker And that you realize that he is worthy of your, your, your servitude and your worship This is fitrah. Every person is born with this. As the hadith says, Every newborn child is born upon fitrah. They will acknowledge the, the creator and they will be inclined to worshiping their creator alone. But it's their, it's their parents who then, But it's their parents that then later on, guides them and causes them to become Jews and Christians and uh, uh, fire worshippers and so forth. It's the parents that, that rears them upon these different ideologies and belief systems. But every person is born upon fitrah. This is the fitrah to understand that we have to worship our creator alone, who is Allah Azza wa Jal. So we remind ourselves of this every morning. We've reached this day upon the fitrah of Islam, upon this natural disposition to worship our Rabb, to serve our Rabb. Alone. And we've reached this day upon the word of ikhlas, the statement of ikhlas. What is the statement of ikhlas? The statement of sincerity or sincere devotion. What is it? It's to say, La ilaha illallah. It's the statement, La ilaha illallah. We've reached this day upon La ilaha illallah. That's what this, this part of the, the dhikr means. Upon the statement of ikhlas means we've reached this day upon. The statement, La ilaha illallah, that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. That this is what we are going to live this day with, La ilaha illallah. This whole day we will live for the, for the sake of Allah, for ikhlas, free from all types of shirk. Not major shirk, not minor shirk. Major shirk means not worshipping anyone besides Allah, not ascribing any partners to Allah. And secondly, not showing off in our worship. That's minor shirk. Not showing off, not seeking reputation in our worship. We worship for the sake of Allah alone. This is the statement of, of ikhlas. The statement of tawheed, which is the, the, the greatest statement of all. La ilaha illallah. There is none worthy of, of worship except Allah. And I've reached this morning upon the religion of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I've reached this day upon the deen of Islam. The deen of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The perfect religion which is complete, has nothing can change this religion, nothing can be taken out of the religion, and nothing can be added to the religion. It's complete. It's perfect. Islam. Indeed, the religion with Allah is only Islam. 
Anybody who desires a religion other than Islam, it will not be accepted from him. There's only one religion to follow. It's the religion of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is the religion of Islam. So this is what we are entering this day upon. The deen of the Prophet. Our belief, our actions, our deeds will be in accordance with this deen, with his sunnah. Not bid'ah, not innovation. The sunnah only with tawheed. That's it. That's what we will enter this day with. That's what we will live this day with. Following the sunnah in our actions and avoiding all types of muharramat, forbidden matters and shirkiyat and innovations. وَعَلَى مِلَّةِ أَبِيْنَا إِبْرَاهِيمٌ حَنِيفًا مُسْلِمًا وَمَا كَانَ مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And we've reached this day upon the faith or the, the religion or the, the belief of our father Ibrahim. Of our father Ibrahim عليه السلام خليل الله He was upright. He was devoted. He worshipped Allah alone and he was a Muslim. He was one who submitted to Allah and the laws of Allah. And he was not of those mushrikeen. He was not of those who worshipped others besides Allah. This is what we start the day with. We are upon the religion of Tawheed. So this entire dhikr is a reminder of Tawheed. That we are upon fitrah. Worshipping Allah alone. Upon the statement of ikhlas, of sincerity. Which is la ilaha illallah, worshipping Allah alone. Upon the deen of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our prophet. Which is Tawheed and Sunnah. And upon the religion of Ibrahim, our father, who was Hanifan, devoted to Allah alone, Musliman, a Muslim, submitted to Allah alone. And he was not other mushrikeen. He did not worship others besides Allah. This is what we start the day with. This is what we will live, live this, this entire day with. Reminding ourselves completely, it's about Allah Azza wa Jal alone. Submitting to him, serving him, obeying his orders and abstaining from his, uh, his prohibitions. This is what we declare, what we affirm, what we renew. The Prophet said in the hadith, renew your faith. Renew your iman. Say la ilaha illallah. Re refresh your iman. This is one of the ways of doing that. By uttering these words every morning, we are reminding ourselves where we are, what we are. Alhamdulillah, by the permission of Allah, we've reached the morning. How have we reached? We upon the fitrah. We are upon la ilaha illallah, statement of ikhlas. Upon the deen of Muhammad and the deen of Ibrahim, who was not a mushrik. This is who we are. This is what we will live for. This is what we will die with, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. This is a beautiful dhikr to start our day with, insha'Allah ta'ala. The next dhikr is narrated by Al-Munaydir, radiallahu anhu. He said, I heard the messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, saying, whoever reaches the morning and says, Again, this one is for the morning only, and it's once off in the morning. رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبًّا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ نَبِيًّا Then I am responsible to take him by his hand until he is entered into paradise. Right? This is the benefit of this hadith. Whoever says this every morning, the Prophet will be then responsible to take him by his hand on the day of Qiyamah until he is entered into Jannah. Until he is into paradise. The hadith is authenticated by... Mundiri in the Targhib, Afan by Al Haythami, Ubal Abani Rahimahullah in Silsatu Sahiha, and others. There is another hadith that mentions similar dhikr to be said three times in the morning and evening in An Nasa'i, although Sheikh Albani Rahimahullah has claimed the hadith is weak and Allah knows best. So, 
What does this hadith mean and how do we recite it? Raditu billahi rabba wa bil islami deena wa bi muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiyya. Or we can say Raditu billahi rabban wa bil islami deenan wa bi muhammadin sallallahu alayhi wa sallam nabiyya. Both are correct and Allah knows best. What does it mean? Raditu billahi rabba. I am pleased with Allah as my Rabb, as my Lord. And I am pleased with Islam as my religion, and with Muhammad as my prophet. Now, we all believe Islam is our deen, the prophet is Muh- our prophet Muhammad and Allah is our Rabb. We know this. And we know that when we enter the grave, these are the questions of the grave. Man Rabbuk, the, the angel will ask you, who is your Rabb? Wa ma what was your religion? Wa man nabiyuk, and who is your prophet? And these will be the answers. But the reality is, in this dunya, it's easy to give the answer because we all know and, and it's a simple answer. Who is your Rabb? We know it's Allah. Who's your, what's your deen? We know it's Islam. And who's your Prophet? We know it's Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But when it gets to the grave, then only those who truly believed this and lived accordingly will answer this, will be able to answer correctly. And the one who wants this reward must utter these words with conviction and secondly, he must truly love these words. That Allah is his Rabb. Are you pleased that Allah is your Rabb? This is a question each person should ask himself. Yani that, that he's my Rabb, so I have to worship him. I have to live in accordance with his laws. Am, am I pleased with Islam as my religion? Is this, if that's the case, then are we living as Muslimin? Are we living like the way a Muslim should live? Day in, day out. Morning and evening, night and day. What's our work like? What's our job like? What's our environment in our homes, in our, at our workplace? What's it like? Who's our friendship? What's our circles like? How close do we get to Allah? How far away from Allah are we? And am I pleased that Muhammad is my messenger? If that's the case, then how much of the sunnah am I following? How, how serious do I take the sunnah? Do I neglect the sunnah? Do I claim it's just the sunnah? I don't have to follow it? And so forth. Am I truly happy that this is, he is my prophet? Am I truly happy that this is my religion? It's easy to say the words, but it's how we live and what's truly in our hearts. Am I really pleased Allah is my Rabb? Allah is my creator, my provider, yes, but am I, am I pleased to worship him? Am I happy to worship him? Am I happy to sacrifice at times things that friends are doing, people are doing, colleagues are doing? I have to sacrifice as a Muslim. As a worshiper of Allah, as a follower of the Prophet وسلم, as a Muslim who follows Islam, I have to sacrifice. And so forth. There are many things in this world that it's not for us. It's not for the believers. And so for some it's a challenge. Certain things will be a challenge for us. But that's the test. And that's the test to see how true this claim is. So it's easy to say the words, but it's about truly loving it and believing in it. Wallahu al-musta'an, may Allah assist us and guide us. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Our next dhikr is narrated by Um Salama, radiallahu anha, mother of the believers, one of the wives of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would perform the morning prayer, salatul fajr, say the salam, in the salam, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, and then say, Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'a, wa rizqan tayyiba, wa amalan mutaqabbala. So this dhikr should be said after the Fajr prayer. 
And the reason we incorporate it into the morning adhkar is because that's the time for morning adhkar. After Salatul Fajr until sunrise, as we explained. So it falls into that time period where we encourage uh, you know, the person to recite this after Fajr Salah. The closer to the Fajr prayer, the better. Right? So try not to delay this one. If you delay any of the adhkar, try not to delay this one because this one is attached to the Fajr Salah and Allah knows best. And this dua is a very powerful dua, extremely powerful dua that every person again is in need of and that every person should decide every morning because in reality, these are the daily goals of the believer. Number one, seeking knowledge, seeking wealth and doing righteous deeds that we hope and pray will be accepted. That's the believer. He has to seek knowledge, he has to do deeds and he has to seek wealth. To survive in this world. Those are three of the main goals of the believer every single day. Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'a wa rizqan tayyiba wa amalan mutaqabbala. Oh Allah, I ask you for beneficial knowledge. How important is knowledge? Can we do without knowledge? We cannot do without knowledge. Knowledge is first. It's key to everything. As Imam Ahmad said, from the cradle to the grave. From the cradle to the grave, it makes our path to paradise easy. When Allah wants good for a person, He grants him understanding of the deen. So many adhkar and ah, sorry, ahadith that speaks about the, the importance of knowledge. And knowledge comes first before action and speech. As when Bukhari rahimahullah said, al-ilmu qabla al-qawli wal-amal. Knowledge comes before speech and action. So knowledge is of utmost importance. And every believer should be seeking knowledge on a daily basis. And knowledge has become easy today. To seek knowledge is it's, it's vast and widespread. Not like the uh, earlier generations or people of uh, our forefathers even. It was not easy for them to seek knowledge because they didn't have access to knowledge. Today it's easy to seek knowledge. Well, alhamdulillah, we should make use and make sure every day we learn something new of the deen firstly and of the dunya as well. Of the dunya as well. Seek knowledge. Ask Allah to bless you with knowledge. Because nothing is equal to knowledge. Nothing is equal to knowledge, especially knowledge of the deen. Nothing is equal to Islamic knowledge. So we ask Allah for beneficial knowledge, because knowledge is of two types. Beneficial knowledge and non-beneficial knowledge. Beneficial knowledge is knowledge that benefits the person. It's nur from Allah. It brings khashia and fear to the person, that he fears Allah. And that he worships Allah with his knowledge. And this knowledge will keep him away from muharramat, from that which is evil and bad and, and, and wrong. And it will bring him closer to that which is good. The person with beneficial knowledge, it will be seen on him as he walks, as he dresses, as he talks, as he interacts. Beneficial knowledge will be seen on him. Knowledge is not just parrot fashioning and quoting. This scholar said that, the Quran says this, the Hadith says this. But there's no amal, there's no action that follows that knowledge. That's non-beneficial, that's not beneficial knowledge. Wallahu musta'an. The hadith says that knowledge or the Qur'an, it's either for you or against you. For you it means you've learned the Qur'an, you study the Qur'an, and you act upon the Qur'an. It will be for you, it's going to benefit you. It will be an intercessor for you. Or you've learned, but you don't act. You recite the ayat, but there's no action. You know what the Quran says, this is haram, but you still fulfill the haram. Stay away from riba, we're still busy with riba. 
Say from alcohol, you're still with alcohol. Say from zina, you're still with zina. Establish salah, you don't establish salah. Fast, you don't fast. Pay zakah, we don't fast. We don't pay zakah. And so forth. Don't backbite each other, we backbite each other. Don't call each other bad names, we call each other bad names. What benefit is there in us reciting these ayat? In us knowing these ayat? If we don't act upon these ayat. That's why the, the Prophet said it's either for you or against you. This Quran will count against you. It will bear witness against you that you didn't pay, take heed. And this is what applies to all knowledge. That's why the Prophet said most of the hypocrites of my ummah will be from the Qurra. The Qurra, what he meant was is the reciters of the Quran, yes, but also the scholars. Also the scholars, those who learnt. But they never acted upon what they learnt. They were hypocritical. And they sought fame and they sought different things. Attention. And look around today, you see many people who are supposed to be righteous, supposed to be knowledgeable, supposed to be hufad, supposed to be good, great reciters, but their life is, in, is, is, is full of sin. Contradicts the Quran and the Sunnah. Completely, Wallahu al-Musta'an. So beneficial knowledge is what we want. It's the knowledge that changes us for the better, brings us closer to Allah, it betters uh, the person, and so forth. We don't want non-beneficial knowledge. That's only going to increase us and the proof of Allah against us. What is qantayyiban? And we ask Allah for wealth. Provisions that are good and pure, and not haram, not harmful. Your risk is not just money. And income, it's more than that. It's your food, it's your drink, it's your clothing, it's everything. We want all of this to be pure and halal and good. And not evil and filthy and haram. And again, look at the state of affairs today. Many Muslimin are just out there to make an extra buck. Whether it causes them to, to fall into so much of error and sin, it doesn't faze it doesn't them. Not realizing that you may have millions, but with no barakah, it becomes worthless. It's like nothing. And you have others who have very little, but because of barakah, Allah's blessings, it becomes so much. And this is what we are looking for. Tayyiban, it's pure and good and wholesome and beneficial. Wa'amalan mutaqabbala, and we ask Allah for deeds that are accepted. Our actions, that we, our little that we do of good, we want it to be accepted and not wasted, not thrown away by Allah and rejected by Allah. Allah and for this, we have to fulfill two conditions. The first condition is our ikhlas and tawheed. That we worship Allah alone and sincerely for the sake of Allah. Major shirk and minor shirk must both, both be avoided. So number one, we are not worshipping other than Allah. That's major shirk. No dua to other than Allah. No sacrificing for other than Allah and so forth. And likewise, minor shirk must be avoided which is showing off. We are not giving charity to prove to others, not reciting the Qur'an or teaching or benefiting others to show off to others or anything for that matter. Pure deeds, ikhlas for the sake of Allah and directed towards Allah alone. And secondly, our deed must be in accordance with the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because the Prophet said, مَن يُرِدِ مَنْ أَحْتَذَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَا لَيْسَ مِنْهُ فَهُوَ رَدْ وَمَنْ عَمِلَ عَمْلَ لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرِنَا فَهُوَ رَدْ Whosoever invents or introduces anything into this affair of ours, that which is not from it, it will be rejected. And whoever does an action that's not in accordance with our actions, it's not according to the sunnah, it will be rejected. 
It's thrown out. It's wasted. It's not accepted. Mardud means it's rejected. It doesn't count in your deeds, your book of good deeds, nor do you benefit from it in any way. It doesn't take you closer to Allah at all. قُلْ هَلْ أُنَبِّئُكُمْ بِالْأَخْسَرِينَ أَعْمَالَ الَّذِينَ ضَلَّ سَعْيٌ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَهُمْ يَحْسَبُونَ أَنَّهُمْ يُحْسِنُونَ صُنْعَا Suratul Kahf Say, shall I not inform you of those, the biggest losers when it comes to their deen? There are those who were astray in their efforts, but yet they thought they were doing good. Subhanallah, they thought they were doing good things, but actually they were wasting their time. They were not doing righteous deeds. Why? If the deeds were not in accordance with the sunnah. If a deed has innovation or bid'ah within it, it's rejected. It's rejected. It's not accepted. The Prophet said so, not any scholar, not any person. The Nabi sallallahu said so. We have to believe this. So when we worship Allah, we worship, yes, for the sake of Allah. Our niyyah is pure, yes. Our niyyah is good. But we have to have our niyyah in accordance with the sunnah. If it's not from the sunnah, don't do it. If the Prophet وسلم, and the Sahaba did not do it, don't do it. Because you've been sufficed. The Sahaba used to say this. You've been sufficed. Qad kufitum. What you have is enough. You can't go do other things that they didn't do. What you have is enough. All these type of gatherings you see, dancing dhikr, jumping dhikr, group dhikrs, maulids, these things, none of this the Prophet ever did. Nor the Sahaba. Nor the Sahaba. This is established. So how can it be accepted from Allah if the Prophet said it will be rejected? Wallahu musta'an. So we have to also follow through and ask Allah for beneficial knowledge, yes, good provisions and, 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 and wealth and so forth. And these are accepted, but we also have to we also have to do our part. And that is to go seek knowledge, to go earn good wealth, and to do righteous deeds that are proper with good niyyah, and that we have to go learn what's the sunnah and fulfill the sunnah. And don't go beyond that. Wallahu a'lam. And Allah knows best. Our next dhikr from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, whoever says three times when he reaches the evening, now this dhikr is specific to the evening alone. And it should be said three times. أعوذ بكلمات الله التامات من شر ما خلق Then no poisonous sting shall harm him that night. No poisonous sting shall harm him that night. So this is a very powerful dua for protection. Suhail was one of the narrators. He said, our family used to learn it and they used to say it every night. Again, take note of the sahaba. They learned the adhkar and they didn't just learn it, they put it into practice every night. And then he said a girl among them was stung, but she did not feel anything. No pain, no nothing, no harm. Because she said this dhikr three times that night. A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamati min sharri ma khalaq. It's an easy one and it's one we should all know. Three times every evening we say, A'udhu bi kalimatillahi tamati min sharri ma khalaq. Which means I seek refuge in Allah's perfect words from the evil which he has created. I seek refuge in Allah's perfect words. The words of Allah is Allah's, one of Allah's attributes. So this proves that we can seek refuge in, the, in an attribute of Allah. In any of his attributes we can turn to and seek refuge in it because the speech of Allah is the attribute of Allah. So we're seeking refuge in the perfect words of Allah which is the Quran. Min sharri ma khalaq. From the evil that he has created. This is, in, this is again general. All evil. Whatever evil there is out there. 
We are asking Allah for this protection by seeking refuge in His perfect words. So we say this three times every evening and no poisonous thing shall harm you. Another benefit of this exact words or this supplication is that it should be said when arriving at any new destination. No matter where it is, you arrive at a new place, you arrive home, you say this dhikr. You go out, you arrive at a shop, you say it. You get to the masjid, you say it. You get to the park, you say it. You get to work, you say it. You get to university, you say it. You get to school, you say this dhikr. Every time you stop at a place, you say, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامات مشار ما خلق. The hadith says, من نزل منزلا فقال أعوذ بكلمات الله. Whoever arrives at a place, منزلا, any place, he should say this dhikr. Right? Uh, narrated by Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, from Khawlah bint al-Hakim, that the Prophet <coughs> said, whoever stops at a stopping place and then says, أعوذ بكلمات الله التامات مشار ما خلق. Nothing shall harm him until he departs from that stopping place. Until you leave that spot. You got to the park, you said it, and you'll be safe until you leave that park. You got to the shop, the mall, you said it, you'll be safe until you leave that, that, that place. The home, you said it, you'll be safe until you leave your home. How powerful are these words? They should be said once every time you arrive at, arrive at a destination, and three times every evening. And you'll be protected from any harmful sting. That's what that hadith states. And Allah Azza wa Jal ultimately knows best. Lastly, we'll end off with two things that are part of the morning and evening adhkar that we did not mention. Um, and they are the two parts of the Quran that should be recited. Now, not to say we didn't mention it because they're not important. They are of the most important. Right? The number one is Ayatul Kursi. And third, number two is the Mu'awwidat. So, we are just going to mention the hadith. Because the commentary of the Ayatul Kursi we've done previously and we'll attach a link to that. And the commentary to the Mu'awwidat we've done previously in our previous course, the, the tafsir of the short surahs of the Quran course. So we'll not go through a whole tafsir of those surahs and ayat again. We just attach the link for those who want to go through the explanation of the Ayatul Kursi and the Mu'awwidat. We're just going to mention the ahadith that mentions the why it should and how it should be done in the morning and evening. And we will leave it at that bi ta'ala. So regarding Ayatul Kursi, the hadith is from Ubay ibn Ka'b radiallahu anhu who said that he had a pile of dates from which some were disappearing. So he guarded it one night and he saw a beast that resembled a grown boy. He greeted him and he returned the greeting and he said, What are you? A jinni or a human? Meaning are you a person or a jinn? He said, I'm a jinni. And then he said, stretch out your hand to me. So he stretched out his hand and he saw that it was the paw of a dog with the hair of a dog. So we know that jinns have different forms, right? Like animals and so forth, snakes and different forms. And they can take any form. A jinn can, can uh, take any form, right? Of a person, Hadith Abu Hurairah, taught us about a man, in the form of a man, but it was a jinn. Right? Something similar, but yeah, it was a, in the form of a dog. He had the, so perhaps he was, Allah Alam, exactly how he looked, if it was half, half, because he said it was initially as a grown boy, but when he put out his hand, it was a, the form of a paw of a dog, with hair of a dog. So he said, is this the form of the jinn? So he said, the jinn know that there is no man among them who is stronger than me. 
Right? So now the jinn is boasting about his power. Right? That he's supposed to be so powerful. And then he said to him, what brought you here? He said, we heard that you love to give charity. So we came for a share of your food. And then Ubay said, what will protect us from you? And then the jinn said, this verse that is in Surah Al-Baqarah, which is Ayatul Kursi. Right? Al-Hayul Qayyum, referring to Allahu la ilaha illahu al-Hayul Qayyum, Ayatul Kursi. The jinn then said, whoever recites it in the evening, will be protected from us until morning. And whoever recited in the morning will be protected from us until the evening. So this means Ayatul Kursi specifically is a protection against the jinn when it's recited in the morning and the evening. Tayyip, specifically it's a protection against the jinn morning and evening. The next morning, Ubay comes to the Prophet and he tells him this incident. And the Prophet said, the evil one spoke the truth, affirming what he said is true. It is a protection. If you recite it in the morning, it will protect you against the evening. If you recite it in the evening, it will protect you until the, until the morning. The hadith is in Al-Nasai, Al-Tabarani and others and is classed as Hassan or good by Al-Mundri as well as Sahih by Al-Bani in Sahih Al-Targhib and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. Another hadith in Ayatul Kursi mentions whoever recites Ayatul Kursi after each Salah, each Fard Salah, Nothing will be standing between him and paradise except death. Yani one way to guarantee paradise is after every salah, recite Ayatul Kursi. Recite Ayatul Kursi. Tayyib. Um, so, five times a day we should read Ayatul Kursi minimum, plus before we sleep is six. And if you are reciting it in the morning as well, specifically, then you should recite it at least once for the morning adhkar and once for the evening adhkar. Tayyib. If you do it, in with one intention after Fajr, it will count for after Fajr and after and for the morning adhkar. And if you do it after Asr, with one intention, it will count for after Asr as well as for the evening adhkar, as well as all, and Allah knows best. Or you can do it both times with, with separate uh, intentions. That's also fine. And Allah Azza wa knows best. But this is the benefit of Ayatul Kursi. So regarding the tafsir of Ayatul Kursi, that is in a separate clip that we done. In fact, last year Ramadan, I will attach the link bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Then we have the Mu'awwidat. The Mu'awwidat refers to the three quls, right? The hadith is narrated from Abdullah ibn Khubayb, radiallahu anhu, who said, We became thirsty and it had become dark while we were waiting for the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu wasallam, to lead us in salah. Then when he came out, he took me by my hand and said, Qul, say. So he kept quiet. Then he said again, Qul, say. So I said, what should I say? He said, say, he is Allah who is one. Qul huwa Allahu ahad. And the Mu'awwidatan. Meaning the two chapters of seeking refuge. Qul a'udhu bi rabbil falaq and qul a'udhu bi rabbil nas. This is what you should say. When should you say it? He said, when you enter upon the evening and the morning three times each. They will suffice you against everything. That's the hadith. So which means, he instructed Abdullah ibn Khubayb to say three times every morning and every evening each call three times. So, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ three times. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ الْفَلَقِ three times. قُلْ أَعُوذُ بِرَبِّ النَّاسِ three times every morning, every evening. What's the benefit? They will suffice you against everything. That in and of itself is powerful and all-encompassing and general. It will be enough for you against everything. It will protect you against everything. It will save you against everything. This is what the three calls are, the power of the three calls are, 
regarding the morning and the evening. Any worries you have, any concerns you have, any fears you have, the three quls are there morning, evening, three times each. Right? So regarding the mu'awidat and each one, we did an in-detail comment on each surah as well as a discussion on the, on, on the virtue of the mu'awidat in a separate lecture. All of the links we'll put in the description, inshaAllah ta'ala. And we advise each person to refer to them to increase your knowledge of these powerful, very important surahs. The likes of which is not found in any part of the Qur'an or any of the other books as the hadith actually mentions. One of the hadith mentioned on these virtues of these surahs as well as the best ayah in the Qur'an, ayat al-Kursi. Tayyib. So inshaAllah, this is the end of our adhkar. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. We've been through um, quite a number of them. We've given a commentary on each one. Alhamdulillah. So that we know what they mean, what they stand for. And so when we recite them, we recite them with understanding and with meaning. And this is the best way to do dhikr. As we said in our first lesson, dhikr can be on the tongue alone, can be in the mind and the heart alone, but the dhikr that's combined, that's on the heart, it comes from the heart, comes with focus, and it's on the tongue, is the best dhikr. And that's the dhikr that will have the most reward and the best effect. And the best effect, that's the dhikr that we are looking for. So we need to understand what we are saying and recite it with focus, with concentration, with humility and with understanding and will gain maximum benefit from these extremely powerful adhkar. As we said, these adhkar are the weapons, they, they truly are the weapons of the believers. They are really, the, it really is the weapon and the shield of the believer and it protects us daily and day and night, daily, throughout the day and night. It's, it's what keeps us going, Wallahu al-Musta'an, it gives us strength, gives us confidence and that we don't live in fear and worry. We know that we've made our adhkar, we are protected. We made our adhkar, we are blessed, Allah will open up for us and so forth. So it's not befitting that a Muslim overlooks them. It's not befitting that a Muslim does not make it a part of his day. As we remember the hadith earlier we, we, with, with uh, Abdurrahman ibn Abi Bakr, his father said to him, I heard these words from the Prophet وسلم, and I love to follow his sunnah. Muslim. That's the way of the Muslim. May Allah make us of them, Amin, Rabbil Alameen, the true worshippers of His who follow the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and who implement these adhkar and gain maximum benefit from His adhkar morning and evening, Amin, Rabbil Alameen. Um, until we meet again, bi-idhnillahi ta'ala, I pray that we each, we all reach Ramadan, which is fast approaching next, month, next week, inshaAllah, and that we, we are able to maximize our benefit in the month of Ramadan, that Allah accepts our worship. That He guides us and blesses us, protects us, and that He rids us of this pandemic, and that He grants those who are sick shifa and those who have passed away, He grants them forgiveness and rahmah and janatul firdaus, amin rabbil alamin, and that He grants us all a good ending upon righteousness and upon taqwa, and that He forgives our sins and He, and he blesses us, um, and He grants us beneficial knowledge, wealth that is beneficial and, and pure, and deeds that are accepted, amin rabbil alamin. Until we meet again, wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته